Wednesday, Unwoke Nation, and I want to welcome you to episode 35 of The Unwoke Show, where free speech is welcome, all subjects are on the table, and your boys Rich and Tim are always bringing you the latest information for your enjoyment, baby. I'm your co-host, Rich, along with my co-host over there. How you doing, Tim? Good, and you, Rich? Doing great, man, doing great. Hey, guys, we want to thank you guys for being a part of the show. Definitely make sure to check us out um, at Spotify, on Apple Podcasts. Uh, we got some other places where we're trying to expand as well. I know Tim's got on top of that one. Yeah, we're at uh, Google Podcasts. We're on Amazon Podcasts. We're pretty much on all of your favorite podcasting platforms. Just go out there and do a search for The Unwoke Show. Uh, you definitely find us. You can also check us out at podbean.com and look for us as well. Um, yeah, we're always interested in feedback and hearing from our listeners. Uh, you can reach us at feedback at unwoketheshow.com um, if you want to email us uh, your feedback. Otherwise, we are on Twitter slash X, and we and you can find the Unwoke Show on Twitter at X at Unwoke the Show. Again, it's at Unwoke the Show. Yeah, you can always reach us, reach out to us that way as well. And so tonight's episode um, is something that has sort of caught fire if you will over the last i don't know four months probably three to four months right um it's called world war three and me and as i'm sure you can guess by the initial part of that uh we are going to talk about this thought of world war three honestly and so i think to kick things off i'm going to give a little history lesson here there have only been uh, two world wars uh, within our country. Uh, the first one started uh, back in 1914 uh, with the assassination of Franz Ferdinand. Right. Okay. And then World War II started when Hitler invaded Poland in September of 1935, which drove France and Britain to declare war on Germany. Uh, the U.S. officially didn't enter the war until December of 1941. That's when we got involved. And now um, World War III is a, uh, is a topic out there. Something I can honestly say I never thought we'd be thinking about in our lifetime. Uh, depending on what your stance is or your views... Um, there is a group out there that feel that with Russia invading Ukraine, um, that effort has in fact kicked off, mm -hmm. uh, World War III. Right. Um, now you have the conflict in Israel between, uh, Hamas and Israel and then you've got Iran, who is funding Hamas, right? Um, you know, China is funding Russia. You've got China, Russia, North Korea, uh, Iran, all you know, coming together. You've got the U.S., Great Britain, Germany, um, Poland, coming together, right? And so. You know, this is really starting to morph into something I never thought we'd 
potentially see or even talk about, right? And so the reason I'm bringing this up is, I don't know if you've been paying much attention um, to the recruiting numbers of our military. Uh, there have been numerous stories out there about overall recruiting numbers are down, right? The recruiting offices are sitting empty. And it, it got me thinking that when, uh, if you're a Gen Xer like myself, like Rich, right? We grew up in an era where called the the era called the Cold War, and living under this notion that the chance of nuclear war could break out right at some point, right? So we were used to being bombarded with um, you know all things Russia, you know learning to get under our desks. You know, part of that was obviously natural disaster, earthquake, right? Mm -hmm. But the notion of... Tornadoes happening. Yeah. We had to, we had to tuck our heads between our legs or yeah. outside of our lockers. And um, but, you know, Sting wrote a song about uh, Russia that has you know, started to resonate with people today based on what uh, the lyrics of that song. You too had a song out there. I mean, pretty much all through the eighties in some form or fashion, um, it was talking about the U S versus Russia. I mean, what was it? The Rocky, what was the Rocky movie where he fought Rocky? Five? Yeah. Where it's U S versus Russia. Right. So I will it, break you. Yeah. Um, the eight, what was it? The 84 uh, Winter Olympics, the U.S. men's. 1980. Or 80? Lake Placid, New York. Yeah, yeah. When uh, U.S. hockey team beat Russia, right? It, it was, you know, that entire era. So we, so us Gen X folks have grown up in an era of eating Pop-Tarts out of foil, mm -hmm. on, you know, on the way to school. Teddy Ruxpin. Exactly. Knowing, <laughs> you know... This notion that if we got called into service, we would go and we would do it, yep. right? Well, um, Gen Z and our millennial, yeah, not so much. Uh, in 2018, the U.S. Uh, military invested $4 billion uh, dollars in marketing from 2018 going on to 2028 to reach the Gen Z slash millennial population and getting them to enlist. So, so think about that. They're spending four Billion? billion in marketing over the next 10 years. And uh, shocker, that effort has come up short. Wow. They're expecting to roughly fall 15,000 recruits short of its goal in 2023. The largest shortfall of branches of the U.S. military. The Navy expects to be 10,000 recruits short, while the Air Force will miss its goal by 3,000. The only branch that it thinks it's going to meet its goal is the Marine Corps. Mm. 
wonder why that is. But either way, I mean, it's still just a bad situation where that, you know, we were known we're known so much about having the, you know, the strongest military out there, and then all of a sudden it's like, so something's just happened to her. So I, I mean, it's crazy because you figure, you know, like you said, well, us growing up and also, uh, I mean, we've been through. At least three wars. Right. And also, obviously, you know, we went through Desert Storm, mm-hmm. and then we went through the second one going to Iraq. And also, um, obviously, in 9-11, a lot of these kids who are millennials were were probably, like, what, two years old? Right. Something like that. And also, so I don't know what it is where that, you know, we now have a takeaway. So, and, and the funny part about it is that, you know, when you're having millennials where that are pretty much like, oh, you know, I just want to enjoy life now. So, like that, understand that, you know, that life you want to be enjoying Right. Has to be protected. You know, so it had, you know, for you to be able to do the things you want to do. Exactly. Which means we need a military. Right. And so what his, what really sparked all this, and I think why millennials and Gen Z um, are ditching the U.S. Army. Um, so there was an AI video of Joe Biden enacting the military draft that went viral mm. a while back. I don't know if you ever saw it. I, I no. never saw it. No, I don't think I did. And so I'm referencing um, an episode from the comments section with Brett Cooper on YouTube. And so uh, the episode is called Gen Z Refuses the Military Draft, and it references the fact that um, this AI video, which had been debunked and everything, and so all of a sudden it raised all these doubts and it just caught fire. Mm. And the Gen Z population just lost their mind. You have all these feminist chicks who all of a sudden uh-huh. turn the other way and be like, you know what? I'll get my ass in the kitchen and hang out there. <laughs> and you have all the, you had all these men that were like, no, I'm not getting involved. I'm not fighting for this. This isn't my problem. I want no part of this. And some of them were like, look at me. You don't want me with a ref- with a rifle in, you know, defending our country. And I'm thinking, well, yeah, I definitely agree with that. Um, in one her- of Brett Cooper's reels that I saw on YouTube, um, she did make a comment that I didn't disagree, that I did disagree with. And it was, if we're fighting a war as a unified country, that's one thing, right? Because we're behind a common belief. But if we're doing it for political purposes, that's a different story. And she's like, oh, I don't think we should get involved in that. And so it got me thinking that I can't think of a war in my lifetime or even in the history books that didn't start over political um, differences. Right. Vietnam, what was that about? Well, spread of communism, and so, yeah. Right, the the politics of stopping the spread of communism. Right, exactly, stopping a political ideology, yeah. Right, what was World War II about? Stopping a yeah. political ideology of Nazism. Yeah, exactly. And so, um, Desert Storm. What was that? Saddam Hussein was walking into Kuwait, which happened to be a country that was rich in oil. Yep. And it was also about 
being able to control or what's going on in the Gulf, mm-hmm. which was all political because obviously we had oil rigs and stuff like that. Therefore, we had to make a little trip. Yep. So again, war started based on protecting our, you know, I guess what I would consider our resources or potential resources and our own political interests. Geo-political. Yeah, geo in in the Middle East. So again, um. There isn't a single war that I can think of that didn't start based on some sort of uh, political ideology, thought, whether it was either for or against. Right. But what's concerning is the millennials and Gen Zs in this lack of defending this country yeah right and fighting for everything that this country stands for um good and yes bad there is you know i mean it's you got to take the good with the bad or the bad with the good right yeah we talked about that last week yeah um and just this notion of those two generations and i sit here and think about it and i'm like you know what i don't know that i want millennials or gen z's defending this nation see and i think the reason why you're also saying that too is just because um you might be looking at it as it being you know for just this whole thing of laziness wherever case may be but honestly i'm just gonna call it like it is i think a lot of it's just because they're weak i you know i i mean i'm just gonna call like it yeah i think it's just because they're weak you know um you know, they ha- you know what it did? It reminds me of, you know, the people were who were li- uh, like uh, Hunger Games. Right. You know, people live in certain districts and stuff like that, but people who lived in the city, you know, they had all the purple hair and all mm-hmm. the weird outfits, stuff like that. But they saw one sense of violence where they started panicking. That's kind of how I think of millennials. They're the ones who are living in the city, who are just enjoying life and everything. You know, they got all the food and all the other stuff. But the people who live in District 12... Yeah, not so much. You know, not so much. You know, they got to go out there and fight and grind and stuff like that. You got District 1, who are the Warriors and all the other stuff. You got District 3, wherever so. It's like, okay, I'm out of watch this way too many times. But, <laughs> it's like, but, um, but you get my point. You know, right. so that, you know, that, you know, that's what it really is. It's like, you know, you got the people out there who, you know, these millennials and all not understanding. It's like that your freedoms, your, your uh, ability to be able to, Sit down and wear and watch, you know, the mat, you know, the uh, what the mass singer and do all your little TikToks and OnlyFans and all right. the other bullshit, right? Like that. So, the reason why you can do that is because of the men and women who actually put on a uniform who are all across the world actually giving you the opportunity to be able to be free so that if somebody decides to get froggy, they're the first one stepping in front of you and them. Now, I I think this is general apathy in the in the Gen Z and uh, millennials uh, generation. Now, not all. There's obviously some of the people in this gener- in those generations who have signed up oh, yeah. and stuff like that, right? Yeah. But I think there's just an overall sense of apathy for there uh, as well. Um, there's there's this guy on Twitter. It says J. At Jay Black is funny. He's a comedian, screenwriter, or producer, recovering monster. I'm not really sure what that is, but what he, the heck? yeah, he made this post, and and this aptly, I think, describes Zoomers and millennials today. 
he says, hey, millennials and Zoomers who are dealing with your first bout of World War III panic, find yourself a Gen X friend to see you through it. What the fuck does that mean? Gen X people spent their entire childhoods prepping for nuclear war. <laughs> while eating Pop-Tarts cold from the foil. We got you. <laughs> okay, now I got it. Now I got it. <laughs> it's like, yeah, and so, so basically what you're saying is that people in our generation are tough enough that in the event of a panic right. of absolute chaos happening in our society, this person is basically promoting Gen X to basically, you know, curl up in the fetal position at our feet mm -hmm. for us to say, will you protect me? Yeah. Or you could just, I don't know, just balls up and learn how to do it yourself. Grow a pair. Yeah. Grow a nice pair there. Yeah. And so, yeah. And so I think that's, that's what is this. It's what is happening. It's call your local Gen X buddy to defend you. Mm -hmm. Right. And that, and, and it's and it's sad. And here's the weird part about it, also, because you get some of these Gen X out there. They want us to help defend them. You know, using this type of as you're saying. Yeah. They want us to defend them, and we're the ones who are who are probably more likely to actually be involved with concealed carry. Yeah, exactly. Actually, take care of them. It's like so, you fuck nuts. Exactly. <laughs> complete like complete fuck nuts. For sure. <laughs> so I love this. You sent me a meme the other day, and it says feminists. When they hear people are being drafted for World War Three. Oh boy. Right? And you've got a feminist who's completely ditched their feminist ways and be like, My ass is in the kitchen, I've got rubber gloves on doing the dishes. So I sent it to my daughter <laughs> and her response was hilarious. It said, If they start drafting women, I'm signing up for full time housework. Yep. It's like Ah. So much for that boss bitch, boss babe. Uh -huh. Feminist, pink hair, you know, pink, you know, pink hair, overweight and like yeah. that. Oh, you changed the tune real quick, didn't you? Yep. Uh huh. It's like, yeah. Now those trad wives aren't so aren't so bad now, huh? Oh, all of a sudden, you're willing to ditch your feminist uh, ideals mm -hmm. and beliefs for saying, you know what? No. Sorry. Exactly. Exactly. See, and that's why I always kind of, you know, I go back to when I was listening to the late, you know, Kevin Samuels. Well, he always talked about. It. He says feminism can only can only last in a first world country. True. Only in a first world country where you have the opportunity to sit there and say some of the bullcrap things we got going on here. And also, but it, it shows exactly what, what I've always said before. It's pretty much, you know, rules for thee, but not for me. So you're going to go out there, be the boss bitch, do all the other stuff like that. But as soon as the government decides, you know what? It's like, you know, we're going to make sure that everybody gets drafted. It's like that. Oh, no, no, no. We can't have that. I can't be firing guns. I don't want to do this like that. I don't want to do like that. But wait a minute. What happened to gender equality? Uh, well, and what happened to the guys down in the basement with their game controllers? Exactly. It's like, oh, wait. You mean Call of Duty can be real? Yeah, fuck nut. It can be real. Yeah, just go to Miami, Chicago, L.A. Yep. Yep. It's like, those are pretty good shooting ranges. Yep. So, <laughs> I mean, and so it's just. It truly is sad to sit here and think that there are two generations who really have no business defending us. Yeah, and I see what you're saying that, Tim. It's, again, I think it goes back to the weakness. I told you about that um, 
that one poem and also which meant so much to me uh when i first heard about it when it says hard times create strong men strong men create good times good times create weak men weak men create hard times now that doesn't mean it's all about men or something like that but it makes a point in there like that that when you listen to that poem you pretty much can look at society and figure out which line we're on yeah and 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 i can pretty much figure out who is going to be defending who or those who and again it's these zoomers and these millennials yeah you look at these videos oh i'll just run to canada exactly just ready to escape and that's also dealing with um uh when it comes to people are celebrities and like that it's like you know oh well if i don't like how the situation is like that i'm just gonna go live in europe i'm just gonna go run in canada and stuff like that and it's like it's like everybody's so ready to tuck tail well, at Bar- what is it? Barbara Streisand who said, if Trump becomes president, I'm leaving the country. The fuck out then. Yep. See you. Exactly. It's like, you know, I don't care what that would be any, pre- any president or where it's like that. It's like not Trump or whatever like that. It's like, look, you know, just get out. Yeah. I, I don't I don't disagree with that at all. But they threaten this crap all the time, all the time. So it's, it's enough. But. For me. Even though I am too old. Mm-hmm. uh for the draft. Mm-hmm. If I had, if it, if they had to scrape the bottom of the barrel, right? Which is us. Yep. <laughs> you call on us, Jenny. I'm, I feel confident that a significant percent would man up. Yeah. Woman up. Yep. And go handle some shit. Yep. We got some brave women out there that don't mind firing AR and like that. I got a, fr- I got a friend and, and uh, like I said, you know, she went to this uh, like uh, warrior women, um, I think, uh, was it seminar or event or something like that? Or and they're teaching these these ladies how to, you know, how to fire it, you know, fire certain guns and stuff like that. And how to defend themselves on, you know, basic ground combat and all those other stuff. It's like, you know, I mean, no, we got some tough girls out there. So that would, like you said, you know, put on the big girl panties and yep. go out there and do what they need to do. And so what's crazy is getting back to this. Um, Gen Z interest in military service is low and only dropping lower. The Wall Street Journal reports that only 9% of American youths ages 16 to 21 said they would consider enlisting in 2022, which is down from the 13% recorded during the COVID pandemic. Mm. It appears no one wants to join the military and the military can't seem to figure out what to do about it. Well, part of it is probably, once again, that, you know, I think it's just being able to have pride in the military and know how much how much they mean to the protection of a country. I think that's been lost. I think we don't show a lot of respect to them, probably in the school system and stuff like that. I don't, I don't know if they did ROTC right. or they still do ROTC. I know from my late uncle, my late uncle Mike uh, was in ROTC uh, when he was in high school where, and I remember my mom telling me where she says that completely changed his life. I mean, he was always a good kid and all, but he ended up serving like what, 15, whatever it was, years were in the Navy, you know, before he uh, uh, served 15, you know, before he, uh, he ended up, uh, honorably discharge where I guess and ended up going to uh, living in California and also but uh, but I'm sure back then when he was around it's like 
you know, there was a sense of pride of being a part of the military and all that. It seems like we just don't see. Now, we get we get commercials here every once in a while. You'll see them and also. But, you know, I know when we were first starting off in the war in Afghanistan, and, and I mean, you probably remember seeing this uh, too, Tim. I mean, if you turned on a football game on Sunday, guaranteed in the five-minute time, and this is when we were at the height of the war. Right. During the Bush administration, when we were at the height of the war. In that five-minute time of commercials, you probably would say of probably nine commercials, five of them were probably something about Army of One. Right. You know, be all you can be. It was something about the Navy, full steam ahead. You know, so that's the fact that I can actually pull that out. Right. Still 20-something years later, is like I can still remember exactly what their catchphrases were. That's how much we would hear it. And we don't see that anymore. No, not. Uh, what was it? Uh, the Army had, uh, what, during, what was it? The last Super Bowl where it had Jonathan Majors, mm-hmm. right? And it showed him progressing during uh, the various wars. And I forget the full commercial, um, but it also had like the Army Corps of Engineers in it. And then it showed him standing on a recruiting bus looking at people and you're like i think it was something to the effect of what's your story now obviously jonathan majors being in in the news with uh, a potential um spousal abuse case that um i think is supposed to start this friday or something but i haven't seen much in the way of military um, advertisement since then. Obviously, the military pulled that because it's got Jonathan Majors in it, right? Right. Um, but I'm not sure the military knows how to appeal to Zoomers and Millennials, right? Mm-hmm. Um, those generations, for some reason, feel like they need an impact they can strive toward a unique calling bigger than the individual, right? Um, military pay. I mean, why would you join the military if if I'm a successful YouTuber and I'm getting millions of subscribers and I'm getting all this money from, yeah. right? I did, really didn't think about it in that uh, in that way. Um, and then obviously the connection to devices. Yeah. Right. The military, it sounds like, if they're if they are very serious about trying to get millennials and and act whatever you want to call it, and also, it would take them being able to hire people who are in that age range who do believe like that that are good at what they do at trying to understand whether it's social media or just marketing in general, and getting them to figure out okay what is it that they're that they're trying to say and also now also you know you kind of know what marketing you know uh we have very low nowadays where so and we have very low attention spans where you know social agreed media, social media has taught us that 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 you know we have such oops so it's like you know we have such uh slow i'm sorry quick um attention spans like that that if you don't get somebody's attention in three pretty much in three to five seconds right something that really stands out you're in trouble. It's like they're swiping on to the next thing. So I think what they need to do is figure out somebody that's in that gener- that generation that truly understands what it takes to market like that. I don't care. I mean, like you said, you got some of these social influencers out there where, you know, they'll do one post 
and they'll get a half a million people, you know, listen to them. But but you do understand that, too. It's like, you know, where they're saying, because it seems like it's so easy. It's easier to be able to do it. Geraldine can sit there and say, well, yeah, I like the military and like that. But if I sit there, drop it like it's hot or in the thong like that and make five thousand dollars in a week. Why the hell would I go out and drop my butt in the middle of uh, Palestine or wherever like that? You know, so walking down streets with an AK-47. Right. You know, so. I, yeah, it's. um, So I think we've cut. Co- we have covered on. Gen X, the millennials, and the Zoomers. I do want to touch on the fact that um, a point I had made earlier that some people believe that um, World War III, in its own way, has started with the invasion of Ukraine, as well as now the uh, Israeli um, Hamas uh, battle that's taking place. And then, you know, we've got China in town. Mm hmm. Um, China has certainly been trying to spread its realm of influence in um, taking over places over in Asia. Um, Taiwan, yeah. And, you know, thinking that Taiwan should be brought back under um, the Chinese flag. And, you know, it's getting me thinking that we have all these hands in these different pots. Right. There's too much stuff happening at one time. And, you know, I I had said where, you know, obviously because, you know, the two, obviously the first war that came to the forefront of being the Ukrainian-Russian war. Right. You know, I said it's like, you know, when we found out that Xi Ping and uh, Vladimir Putin were going to be meeting prior to the summer games. Right. And also, I just found that really, really darn convenient that they want to just basically sit around or so and, you know, you know, drink, you know, drink a little bit of where it has some stroganoff and not talk about anything. So I'm just, uh, I believe enough where to sit and go like, okay, if they kind of knew that they had certain agendas, obviously Vladimir Putin being Ukraine and uh, Xi Jinping or so being, being, you know, with Taiwan, about how there could be a collaboration of like, okay, this is probably the greatest opportune time that we can do to accomplish it. Now, what I initially thought was that if they decided, say, if if Vladimir Putin was going to say like, hey, we're going to attack Ukraine, but if you want, you can actually go ahead and invade Taiwan at the same time. I kind of wondered about that when this this thing first started, because I was just waiting for it when somebody was asking, what do you think is going to happen with... with, um, you know, the whole thing with Taiwan or and I think we, you and I had, I said, I give it about 18 months. Now we're past that 18 months now. Right. And also, but I'm, I kind of think between the, the Russian Ukraine war, and obviously we got, we got the Israeli Palestinians like that. I think, you know, that going on out in the Southeast Asia, that's just right around the corner. It could be. I mean, it doesn't yeah. help that our relationship with China has been strained. Yes. Um, somewhat, but I think, um, you know, our president is trying to reestablish, you know, some of those relationships. I don't know that China will invade Taiwan so much as using other means mm-hmm. to, uh, I guess you could say, legally take over. 
mm-hmm. the country, if that's even a notion. Um, okay. Obviously, obviously, China is funding Russia, right? Um, I don't think Russia, even though Putin has talked about the use of nuclear weapons, mm-hmm. I don't see that hand uh, happening mm-hmm. because, you know. Which way do the winds blow? And how close is Russia to China? They touch. Yeah. <laughs> they, they, they t- it might be the coldest, the coldest portion of Russia, but they touch. But those wind, the way those winds blow, mm-hmm. do you want nuclear fallout from... I mean, the likelihood that a Russian missile reaching the U.S. with our defense systems, I would like to think that it's, mm-hmm. that it's low, right? right? Um could yeah, it, but I mean, you can never say never. I mean, like, I mean, but you know, could it be sparked through an intermediary? Mm. True. Right. Because so, yeah, you're right. Because NATO is a bottleneck in decision making. Mm-hmm. Yep. Right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, part of me makes me wonder how had they been able to be involved? How fast could this war between Ukraine and Russia be just, you know, kiboshed? I I mean, I don't think it's it bolds well if somehow China is able to broker mm, some right. sort of peace between Zelensky and Putin when the U.S. couldn't do it, right? Yeah. See, and and the things that I've heard, um, I think I heard another podcast where. So I mean, I'm glad you brought that up because, um, and I think on this podcast they had talked about that. Yeah, they talked about the potential that you know could president see China wants to be in our spot, you know. So you know they wanted to be where you know like people used to always say about America, and also mm-hmm. when America sneezes, the rest of the world catches the cold. China wants to be in that the CCP wants to be in that situation, right? And so if they could be looking at being at the country or being a or Jinping being a, a president. That basically looks as he's the one who actually helps to collaborate peace in the Middle East. That changes everything because they know in the long term, they can look at it as like, well, man, if people look at us as being the peacekeepers, look at how much business or networking or whatever it is, or how many allies we will be able to have in the event if we decide to break something out. Right. I think that 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 kind of that hurts America when we're being hesitant on figuring out what it is we are supposed to do when we're not doing the proper jobs in certain regions, when we're not doing the job that we need to do to keep the proper relations that we need on an international scale. Right. And also that really hurts us. And I think right now, uh, it's just my opinion also, but I think right now that China sees the opportunity. Right. And also, but I think what it is, is they're doing like, uh, and I know Ludacris and say it, but it just makes me think about his song and also, and all when he says, you know, why why should I run down and get one cow when I can walk down and get them all? Right, I I agree. And so the I, the podcast or the show that you're uh, you're talking about, and some of the points I was pulling from is from a conversation, um, and the show is called the Sean Ryan Show on YouTube, and the video itself is an interview that Sean Ryan did with uh, Andrew uh, Bustamante 
Um, Sean Ryan was a former, uh, I think this is accurate, spec ops who also worked for the CIA. And then Andrew uh, Bustamante worked as a CIA spy. Wow. Yeah, at one time. And so the episode itself is called CIA Spy slash World War Three Money Laundering and the Next Superpower. And it's I'm about to check that out as myself. Yeah, it's a uh um and so it says here just a brief description, Andrew Bustamante is a former Air Force combat veteran and CIA intelligence off- officer specializing in covert action and cl- clandestine um action. Um and so it was just you know, it was interesting to you know, to hear his take uh, the interview itself, it's about a two-hour interview. It's pretty good. Um, and, you know, I encourage everybody to go check out the Sean Ryan show. Um, he usually has some pretty good guests and some pretty good uh, topics. I, you know, I enjoy listening to him every once in a while. Um, but the point is, there are a lot of moving pieces. Yeah. Um and those pieces are moving by other individuals when they should be moving by us. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's enough to just supply aid to Ukraine, to supply aid to Israel, and call it good. Explain. Because all, all we're seeing... Have you seen a single news article where the United States has reached out to Russia to try to find some sort of peaceful resolution Not really. to the war in Ukraine. Nope. What have you seen? Pretty much say, you guys do this, we're going to do that. Uh, the U.S. just provided the Ukraine with X number of billion mm-hmm. uh, in funding or um, older military. Mm-hmm vehicles as well as advisory services mm-hmm. right what's waiting in the wings during in this current uh congressional session additional aid funding to ukraine and right. aid funding to israel right so would you say where do you feel that there might become a time because of we're dealing with two different wars so do you think there will come a time where the world might see a division even in Congress between, well, you know, I really want my vote to go towards Ukraine and other ones go towards Israel. And also, do you see that potentially being an issue that might kind of uh, stand still this a little bit? Or, you know, or do you think it's like they'll just come up with the whole thing, we'll flip the bill and keep going? I think it's a little bit of both. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, depending on what news outlet you subscribe to, you know, I've seen links where um, the U.S. is trying to call for a ceasefire in Gaza to mm-hmm. get out people and stuff, right? Mm-hmm. All this humanitarian aid. But I've never seen anything, um, and I'd have to go back and research this just to be sure, but I feel pretty confident when I say that I haven't seen anything where it says the U.S. is trying to broker a deal between... Ukraine and Russia. Mm-mm. Now, what are, what are we doing? We're simply helping Ukraine 
fight their mm-hmm. war or right. basically prevent Russia from invading right. the Ukraine. Mm-hmm. Because Putin is hell bent, and he's said this, and he's said this multiple times that he wants to reunify Russia, mm-hmm. right? He wants to bring all the Baltic states that broke away back under Russia, right? Right, and yeah. so I mean, again, it's Ukraine is just one of those pieces. So I mean, if China's coming along and it's like, hey, Russia will help you. Mm-hmm. But you know you need to. Will you help us with oil? Will you help us with you, something? And you also, need to, yeah, you need to chill out. Mm-hmm. Oh, hey, Zelensky, we were able to keep Russia on a leash, but by the way, mm-hmm. you want our help? You're going to have to, right? right? Now, all of a sudden, it's trying. Now, all of a sudden, China's trying to extend its realm of influence. Yeah, and that was my point earlier. It's just that you know they're trying their best to network with the proper powers that be, where so being part of the. The, uh, whether it's the you know the G20 or the G8 or whatever case may be you know these these uh, meetings that they have on an annual basis where so the top countries where so uh, in doing it so no it's like so they can build up you know their influence and then on top of that it's like you know when you're looking at you know I I actually listened uh, listened to the uh, Vladimir Putin's uh, uh, State of the Union speech and everything for Russia and you are absolutely right where when I based on what I was listening to him speak. He truly is, says, you know, basically saying we're not going to quit, you know. Right. He made it quite, quite clear where so that he basically said he was not going to quit. He's going to keep fighting these wars. He was giving his reasons why he was fighting his wars, his uh, his reasoning why he was fighting the wars and stuff like that, whether people be justified or not. I'm not trying to judge on that. And also, but it's like, you know, he basically said it's like, you know, we're going to be relentless and we're going to keep going and also whatever country that can come up with it of course we hope that it's the united states you know so get the proper leadership that's going to be able to do that right and also to be able to say hey we're going to figure out how to how to get this done you know yeah i mean maybe that would stop the potential of there being a world war three because you're right tim i've heard more and more people and this is just people going around my day-to-day where so where whenever we would use the term world war three where it either was on the front cover of a video game right or somebody was just using that some basic kind of like flippant thing saying oh that happened to be world war three and stuff like that but now we're actually on the brink of it we you and i actually have a friend and also that's you know that said it's like you know she's looking listening to some of the weird things where that are going on that people are talking about in society and she said flat out of where she's like people are so concerned about all these silly little things where so and we're on a potential world war three right and she was dead serious when she said it and also, and she's not a, a very, she's not a person that likes to talk about that type of negative violence, stuff like that. So when she said that, it was very surprising. So obviously, you know, this is, a lot of people think where this, the potentiality of this becoming a reality, you know, so it's really on the forefront. And you know, it's on the forefront of people's minds. So what does uh, World War Three and me uh, mean? Speaking for me, um knowing that over the years I feel like I've matured and become uh, somewhat of uh, an adult. Um, if for some reason we got called into to service, I, it wouldn't happen based um, just solely on age alone. But, right. let, but let's just say... They pull a Ukraine and said, okay, if you're 16 ever, to 60, you ain't leaving the country type of selection. You're, you you're going to join us. Right. We need you. Um, honestly, I think I would go. Mm-hmm. Can I say that about 
the Zoomers and Millennials, not no, so much. Not really. I, I don't have a lot of faith in that. So, Unwoke Nation, we'd love to get your thoughts on this topic. You can reach us at feedback at unwokeTheShow.com. Again, that's feedback at unwokeTheShow.com. Or you can reach out to us on Twitter slash X at unwokeTheShow. Again, that is at unwokeTheShow. Rich, as always, is a uh, great conversation, great topic, and I look forward to speaking to you on the next one. All right, guys, guys, definitely thank you again. And also, yes, definitely great job, Tim. And also, and we look forward to hearing from you guys. And also, and we will see you next time. And as always, stay on woke.